0: podcast network your team every day you are locked on big 10 your daily podcast on the big 10 conference part of the locked on podcast network your team every day
1: Welcome into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day. Alongside our Thursday co-host, the host of Locked On Wolverines, covering the Michigan Wolverines, Isaiah Hull, I'm Nate Dickinson. And we're going to get into everything going on here today with Isaiah about Big Ten Media Days from last week. We'll talk Michigan with him, as Michigan was one of the biggest stories of Media Day. And, of course, it's the NBA draft starting up tonight. So we'll wrap up the show talking about those Big Ten players who could be headed and will be headed to the NBA later today. That's all coming up on the show today. But first, Isaiah, we've spent the last two shows talking about it, so I didn't want to spend a third in a row, but it it, it could have been because there's so much to discuss and so much to break down with what's going on in the Big 12 right now. I do want to get your thoughts here as we start off, and thanks again for joining us here on a Thursday. What did you have to think about just what's at the top of your head in the big pile of things to think about with what's going on in that conference?
0: Well, the Big Ten's kind of at a disadvantage in the sense that it, it's losing out on the, honestly, like the two biggest pieces that really any conference could get. And that kind of puts the Big Ten at a disadvantage, right? I mean, especially when you consider, yeah, you look at what the SEC did before, adding uh, Missouri and Texas A&M. That's like a mixed bag. And I think the, the Big Ten kind of was a little bit even underwhelming when it added Maryland and Rutgers. No offense to those uh, those two schools. But comparatively. And then for the sec to potentially land Oklahoma and Texas, I mean, that's, that's really hard to beat. Now I had a conversation with my best friend about this earlier today and we were, we're like, what, what could the big 10 do? And we have to, you have to throw all kind of geography out the window to make this happen. But yeah. uh, And you would take a lot of convincing of one of these schools for sure. And that would be Notre Dame, USC adding a couple rivalries. Uh, or a rivalry to the mix, a couple, you know, a couple storied programs. Uh, you still would have the Rose Bowl tie in for USC. They'd just be on the other side of it, which would be really interesting. Uh, although it would be different seeing, obviously, like teams like Ohio State and uh, or Michigan playing USC for the rights to go to something like the Rose Bowl. But obviously it's different now with the college football playoff and everything like that. But it's really difficult to, like, make a splash in in the current pool because the two teams that Michigan, not Michigan, used to <laughs> used to my own market that the Big Ten could potentially uh, could, could, that are tied most with the Big Ten are Iowa State and Kansas, and that's just not going to have the same type of cachet. Uh, so that's the disappointing thing. Now, with that in mind, I did create for Wolverines Yra a 30 team mega conference, and I was against this idea for the longest time until I put it together. And then once I put it together and came up with six pods of five teams, all like kind of geographically linked, every team would play everyone in their in their pod and then one team from each of the uh, the five uh, other uh, divisions. Honestly, like it's almost like just let's go ahead and just do that, right? Like I know that that would take a lot to get like the Big Ten or the SEC to dissolve, but at the same time, like we would have a bowl game. We'd have multiple bowl game level matchups every single week. And it would be incredible. So for me, my, my thoughts though, realistically hinge on the idea of like, you've got to, if you're the big 10, you've got to make a splash. And to me, that means convincing Notre Dame to join the conference and who better to join Notre with Notre Dame than USC as annoying as it might be for, you know, if you're any of the Eastern based Big Ten schools having to make that road trip, the five hour flight to LA. I know that flight way too all too well. That'd be really annoying for road games and obviously USC would multiple times a year find themselves making those same five hour flights on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that that would uh, that would be the one thing that could at least keep the big Ten step and step with the SEC.
1: Well, I guess, that's a big uh, idea, bringing in Notre Dame and USC. I, I do want to talk about this idea of that super conference that you brought up. As far as things like getting drastic in that way, I-, I feel like it's always you have to have that disclaimer of like this is so far down the road. The conferences have this power still, but that power is getting drained by the second right now with the way that mm-hmm. things are moving around in college sports. And we didn't think something as drastic as what Oklahoma and Texas are doing would be happening this quickly. So if things do start to dissolve that quickly, I want to know more about this breakdown of what you put together. Like if something like that happens, say with the Notre Dame USC rivalry, is that kind of matchup still going to happen every year? I mean, most rivalries are regional. So I guess that is a bit of an exception. But as far as keeping those kind of things together that the schools care about, because when it Mm -hmm. comes down to it, that power that is being taken away from the conferences and being taken away from the NCAA, And even though they're trying to grasp on as hard as they can, it's going to go to the schools and the players. So it's going to be about what those schools and in turn, what these fan bases care about, because it's all about the money. How do you make sure that everyone stays happy in that big of a thing?
0: Well, not everyone's going to stay happy, number one. And and I think if you're looking at like a Notre Dame USC rivalry, I mean, that would just have to be a like, protected crossover, which might mean that those schools aren't playing constantly playing the other schools from the other divisions, unless they want to put them in non-conference or make that a non-conference uh, matchup. Ultimately, if we do go up, go to a mega conference, there's going to be a lot of schools left out that are currently in either like the Big Ten or the SEC. So a lot of schools aren't going to be happy. You know, I can't imagine that like Vanderbilt or or uh, let's say uh, like Northwestern is there those aren't shoe-ins right to be in a mega conference uh even though like you look at a school like northwestern been in two big 10 championship games the last three years having some success on the football field still does not have the same kind of cachet as the, the bigger school so uh, as far as my my breakdown i think i included six big 10 teams so that means there would be eight that were left out in the cold uh, and that would unfortunately that would just be the nature of it if that's where because if Ultimately, we're what we're seeing is a consolidation of power, and it it, it doesn't make sense in some ways because you think about the fact that like Oklahoma and Texas rule the Big Twelve, and now they're seceding from it. Uh, that so you're seeing a consolidation of power, especially like it, as much as I as I love the Big Ten, and I think the Big Ten really compares favor, uh, favorably to the SEC. At the same time, you're seeing even more big brand names now in the SEC. If you add those two on top of Alabama, Georgia, Florida, and LSU, I mean, uh, and I mean Tennessee as well, and I mean even South Carolina kind of fits that bill. It, all bets are kind of off, you know. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's really it's I I think the thing that is going to have to be the kind of carrot to keep the other outside the people who aren't going to be as happy uh, is going to have to be whatever the playoff situation ends up being. Uh, because it's not necessarily going to be, you know, all, all 12 schools. If it's a 12 team format coming from like a 30 team mega conference, you have to give some, some ability for those from the outside looking in to still have that uh, ability to kind of get inside. Cause they might, you know, just because you're not in that mega conference doesn't mean like that Indiana still can't be really good, you know, and I don't know. I, I just don't know what, what's what's going to happen, but uh, it's obviously giant ramifications to these, uh, to these moves that go far beyond what's happening in just the Big 12 and the SEC.
1: Yeah, I, I didn't want to talk this much or too much about it just because, again, it's so drastic and so down the road, but it seems like now is the time for talking about drastic kind of things. I, I did want to mm. just to kind of put a bow on it. You said six teams? In the Big Ten, in or was it eight in and six out, six left out? I'm just looking at I think the list it, right now.
0: I think I had. Uh, I have to look real quick. Uh, I mean, it would be Michigan, Minnesota. Ohio
1: State, Wisconsin, obviously in there. Penn State, obviously in there for four. Uh,
0: maybe I had more. Let's see, because I have Iowa, Nebraska, uh, as well, uh, Michigan State, and I. You're think leaving. Covers, you're leaving Minnesota uh, out. I am leaving Minnesota out. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's even though it's traditional power, but yeah, it doesn't necessarily have the uh, the cachet in recent decades to, I think. I mean,
1: does, I mean, does Nebraska?
0: Nebraska doesn't necessarily, but it's a blue blood. So I think all blue bloods just kind of get included. Mm-hmm. Right.
1: All right. Well, yeah, that's it. I just kind of, I guess it, just one more Mi- Michigan, Ohio State, Wisconsin, Penn State, Nebraska, Iowa is six, Michigan State was seven, and then maybe one more in there. I don't know, Northwestern, but yeah, Uh, it's uh, something like that. If you're talking only football, obviously basketball is an entirely different conversation, but Mm basketball is not why any of this is is happening. So we'll get more into that as it happens, because as we've talked about all week, I feel like everyone we've had on and asked the questions of has said faster as they start to crumble. So we'll have plenty to discuss. We know about that. Just real quick before we get into the meat of the show, we're going to talk to Isaiah about media days, talk NBA draft as well. But first, the things that have already happened out here. More medals coming at the Olympics. It was Ilse Paulus of Ohio State, formerly women's rowing, who won a bronze medal for Ohio State, their first at the Olympic Games. That's the latest out there. She won it at the lightweight double skulls, I believe. I'm not going to pretend to know a whole lot about the Olympics. (laughs) Here, But it puts the medal count right now. I have the list. Indiana leads at six. The Michigan Wolverines with Isaiah have five, but still looking for that first gold medal. Only school with more than one is Minnesota with two. Then Wisconsin, Northwestern, and then Ohio State most recently add on one as well. So six schools already with medals. That's a total of 11, 13, 16 medals already coming to Big Ten representatives. A hot start for the Big Ten Isaiah, and it's going to keep on going too.
0: Oh, absolutely. Especially you look at Michigan and Ohio State with so many representatives. I believe uh what is it, twenty thirty-seven from Michigan and twenty-six from Ohio State, uh competing in the in the Olympics. I think it's just gonna continue. Uh obviously a lot of time. It's we're we're really just kind of getting into the beginning of it. So uh I I think that uh yeah, it's gonna be a really strong showing. And that's what the Big Ten's kind of known for is just having excellence across all sports and uh, that ability to to actually compete at, on the world stage you know that's certainly what michigan uh, and ohio state tend to promise their student athletes outside of football and and uh, basketball is just like this excellence uh so I'm, I'm really curious to see how uh you know not not only like how it all unfolds but like how how much do you start seeing some it's not thought of this way of course but how much do you start seeing like you know Michigan and Ohio state players kind of competing uh for uh, you know for excellence and in, in trying to to medal up and that would be just another feather in the cap of some of these rivalries uh obviously there a lot of them are going to be on the same teams but uh nonetheless it will be interesting to see how that all kind of plays out
1: yeah the focus of the olympics about how everyone from all over comes together to this one place but A lot of the times the stories can be about how familiar some of these people are with each other. We'll get real quick to just the rest of the news before we get into things here on the show. Uh, Panini America and Graham Mertz now have an exclusive memorabilia partnership. So Graham Mertz, as far as signing stuff, Panini America. uh, Maryland announced a home-and-home football matchup with UCF. For way, way down the line, like 2025, but it was announced yesterday. And then I'll let you comment really quickly on the only other thing we had from yesterday, Isaiah, on the Michigan end. Former Michigan tight end Jake Butt announced his retirement from the NFL yesterday. He was great with Michigan, an NFL career that ended up having some shining moments in it as well. But the Wolverines is going to be what he's most remembered for.
0: Yeah, it's really disappointing. He never really kind of got the career that you expect. And I think that that's a cautionary tale for, for those who sit out bowl games uh, or, you know, or play in bowl games rather is the, the cautionary part. Uh, Cause Jake Bud already had torn his ACL in his sophomore season and really came on strong as junior and then senior year only to end his Michigan career, albeit in his last game prematurely in the first half. And I, I, I was there, I was on the sidelines a couple feet away from where he tore his ACL again and it cost him kind of everything you know because he could have been at that point he was projected to be at worst a second round draft pick if not a first round he was considered to be a first rounder if he would have left after his junior year and uh as a result uh dropped all the way down to the 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 fifth round of the uh of the 2017 NFL draft and uh again towards ACL once uh when he was in training camp with uh the the Broncos just really bad luck as far as that type of thing is concerned and just the injuries plagued him for the most part, even at the NFL level. So not completely surprised when I saw that he was retiring. Uh, He was just finished up his rookie contract, signed with the Chicago bears, but didn't uh, obviously get a chance to suit up for another team. So uh, obviously best of luck to him. He's a, he's a guy that is is sharp and, uh, and just well, well well-spoken and thought of as can be as, as far as, uh, football players go is just very introspective and also just has a good, just grasp of life. So it's uh disappointing to see, see that it didn't work out for him in, in that front, but you know, given the, the fact that he had all those injuries and was still able to go out there, finish out his rookie contract, that's at least great to see.
1: Yeah. it's just One of those is that kind of love of that community, no matter how well they do at the next level, but you know, I'm sure they're enjoying the millions of dollars that they'll be making soon too. <laughs> Uh, Just as much of all that. But, uh, of course, Jake going to be always loved in Ann Arbor and really in college football. He was just kind of a likable guy when he was out there on the field and, as you mentioned, likable off the field, too. We're going to talk in just a moment about everything going on with Michigan football and everyone else in the Big Ten with Isaiah. We'll focus on, of course, what Harbaugh had to say because he was one of the biggest stories out there at Media Days last week. We'll get our Michigan guys' thoughts on the head man over in Ann Arbor in just a minute. You're on Locked On Big Ten. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. Well, it's that time of year when you want to go out and take the car for a cruise, but you never want anything to go wrong when you're trying to relax out there on the road. So go on over to rockauto.com and make sure that you're getting all the parts that you may need for a repair or just an upgrade on your car at the best price and with the easiest route to getting it done, too. Rock Auto has everything that you might need for your car. They can make sure that the part that you're getting is the perfect part exactly that you need. And they cut out the middleman of either the dealership or the part shop that can upcharge you quite a bit. You'll get the best prices and it delivered to your front door right there at rockauto.com. Head on over to rockauto.com and if you end up using the service, make sure you let them know that you heard from us by hitting locked on in their little how did you hear about us box. Welcome back into Locked On Big Ten, everything you need to know about the Big Ten Conference every single day. Alongside our Thursday co-host, Isaiah Hole with Locked On Wolverines, I'm Nate Dickinson. And we're here to talk Wolverines with Isaiah now, as he was at Big Ten Media Days covering Michigan and everything going on with that football team there. And it was a good thing you were, Isaiah, because that was one of the biggest stories that we had out of the conference throughout the weekend, the things that John Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh said at <laughs> the podium for the Wolverines. and. and What did you have as far as the biggest takeaways from what the head coach at Michigan, who is very much having an eye or on the hot seat here going into this season and what he had to say out there?
0: Well, it was just kind of, there was two big things, the kind of attitude adjustment, seemingly this demeanor change. He was just a lot more forthcoming, a lot more open uh, up, up there. Uh, Maybe part of it was not getting the type of gotcha questions that it seems like he tends to get at these types of things. Uh, but, uh, he just seemed a lot more relaxed, uh, which is odd given that when we had him in the podium sessions later in the, uh, in the afternoon, he, he was asked, do do you feel the pressure? And he said, yeah, I feel all of it. So it's not that, uh, it's, it's not that he's not feeling pressure from kind of everything, obviously getting a big pay cut, although signing a contract extension. Uh, I think that you're seeing a guy that's kind of figured out what he, you know, what's important right now when it comes to the program. And with that in mind, I think the biggest thing and I mean, it was literally what I I stopped everything and started writing the moment that he finished saying this which which was the last question that he had gotten, which was from Bill Rabinowitz of uh, of the Columbus Dispatch. It was, you know, how, how do you look at the Ohio State, you know, at, at this moment, Harbaugh famously it, it's funny because every time we every time that we write anything of him actually addressing the rivalry or things like that. You get a bunch of, uh, you get a bunch of know-it-all people that are like, Oh, he always says this, or he's always throwing shade. And it's like, no, he's always actually doing the opposite of that. He's people, you know, people have not necessarily everybody, but people have been wanting him to embrace this rivalry with Ohio state a little bit more. It's been kind of surprising given that he played for Michigan and had the big guarantee as a senior in uh, 1986 uh, that he hasn't, but he's up, Long been saying it's, you know, it's a it's a big game. It's a championship type game, just like every other game. Now he has had his moments, like the week of the game, where he'll be like, "Of course, this is a bigger game than any other game." But we haven't heard it in July, you know, and we haven't really heard it until the week of the game. So I think that that's a that's a big change. The sake that he's he came out and said, "We're going to beat them, or we're going to die trying," and you know, r- recognizing the urgency, uh, obviously he's been been around for 6 years and 0 and 5 against Ohio State. Uh been close twice in uh, 16 and 17, but close doesn't uh, doesn't exactly, you know, that doesn't set the narrative. So I think that that uh just his understanding that and openly addressing the fact that this is something that has to change for Michigan and for him, I think that that is crucial and you as a result, like we heard, uh, Aiden Hutchinson talk about how they're doing a lot of different things. They're really emphasizing the rivalry in ways that they haven't before. And like he said, we, we emphasized it, but like, we're, you know, we're doing some mental and visual things to really heighten what we're doing behind the scenes. And Hassan Haskins said that, uh, at his podium session that Michigan is, is working out extra. And that's something I can, I can tell you is happening too. Like I, I, I go to a gym here in Ann Arbor and what, when I go there, I see Michigan players and I'm like, why aren't you in Shenbeckler Hall? I'm like, oh, we already did our workouts in Shenbeckler Hall. We're just getting in an extra workout. So they, they are going above and beyond and doing things. And they're saying it's all for Ohio state. And I think the interesting thing that, that Aiden Hutchinson said was because he was asked like, well, you're doing the same thing for Michigan state. And this isn't going to make people in East Lansing very happy. But as, uh, as he said we're preparing for Ohio State. If we can get on the level, that level, like we're trying to, then we don't have to worry about anyone else in the in the Big Ten because if we're at Ohio State level, then we can beat all the other schools because Ohio State is the elite program in the conference. So I think that that's a welcome change instead of just taking things week by week. That was very much the NFL style that Harbaugh kind of brought with him. That is fully gone now. Uh, a lot more even though you're bringing in some NFL guys like Mike McDonald and uh, as the new defensive coordinator or Matt Weiss is the quarterbacks coach I think that, that uh, that's a welcome change for those in Ann Arbor and honestly it should be welcome for those in in uh in uh, Buckeye territory for the sake of hey you want it to be more like 2016 isn't 2016 more fun ultimately than 2018 and 2019 like I know I know they probably they love them all they love all the wins against Michigan, but isn't it more fun when you're beating a really good Michigan team rather than one that you just pound? Like, the pounding's probably fun in the moment, but if you're beating Michigan teams that can't compete, then whatever.
1: Right. Well, Michigan going above and beyond in the weight room to try and get at it this season. Isaiah Hole going above and beyond, getting on the field to get that scoop out there at the gym, too. <laughs> Isaiah, why this changed now? Why this change in the attitude at the podium this season for Harbaugh? What do you think went different for him?
0: Well, obviously, the 2-4 and four season. I think that uh, they were chomping at the bit to get out on the football field. Harbaugh kind of bucking uh, the uh, – I'm not going to say that – I mean, there was rumors out there that Dr. Schlissel, the president of the university, was trying to not have have a season played and, and that he was – fighting tooth and nail to, to keep it. That's just a rumor that was started by nefarious people out there that have no connection to the university. Uh, but nonetheless, I mean, he was Schlissel was spending a lot of time saying like, you know, we're going to, we're going to be very careful. And we, you know, we haven't made decisions on this and blah, blah, blah. What meanwhile, Harbaugh is like, we want to play football. And I haven't talked to, I haven't been able to get our president on the phone uh, to, to talk about this. So I think like they fought just, you know, just as hard as anybody to try to make a season happen. And the fact that they opened up and looked kind of like what I expected Michigan to look like last year against Minnesota, only for them to turn around and look awful for the rest of the year and have no redeeming qualities by the end of the season. I think that that was a giant wake up call and Harbaugh looked absolutely defeated in the post-game press conferences and every, uh, after every single game like more and more so and that that Penn State game I mean he just looked absolutely just broken by that by the end and but he's a guy that doesn't give up he's a the, one thing that you know about Jim Harbaugh he's the quintessential competitor so uh I think that that uh he hit reset I think with the the contract getting the pay cut and all of these things it was also an admission of like hey this is a tenuous situation this is not a this isn't what it was in 2015 when he could have gone to anywhere, right? Like he, he almost not quite, but he almost could have gone to like Alabama or Ohio state. And they would have been like, you know what? Yeah. You know, thanks. Thanks a lot. Urban thanks a lot to Saban, but you know, we're going to bring this guy in. Not quite that's hyperbole, but you know, that's how hot of a head coach he was coming out of the NFL. And now it's a, it was a situation where it's like, well, we're going to give you 4 million instead of eight and you can get back up to eight, but you're going to have to really earn it. So I think that that's uh, I think that that that's a big wake-up call, and that's why you saw the Michigan completely upend what it looks like on the coaching staff and replacing almost everybody, completely changing the defense over. Only one returning coach on that side. Uh, what only one offensive coach is in the same position as he was last year. So I think that all of that kind of comes together, and it's one of those things like the players were saying at Big Ten Media Days, is that uh, they. They needed a culture change based off of like what happened. Like, you start losing and, and it all kind of starts to fall apart. And I think it had been falling apart a little bit longer, but I think it just kind of came to a head last year. And it starts at the top. And I think that it really did start at the top with Jim Harbaugh kind of looking and saying, what we're doing isn't working, which is very, very welcome. Because I remember having conversations going into the 2019 season after I talked to Ohio State players at Big Ten Media Days uh, about what they do to prepare for Michigan. I remember I remember talking to some people close to the Michigan side of things and and getting a response of, well, they can do things their way. We'll do things our way. And I, my internal monologue was, yeah, but your way isn't working, at least not in this rivalry. So I think it was finally an admission of what we're doing isn't working. We need we need to completely change things. We need to overhaul things. And uh, I think that that's uh, that's a really good thing. Uh Aside from all of that, Big Ten Media Days. I mean, this was a fun one. This was my fifth one, I believe. It, uh, it's weird though because I felt like, you know, granted I'm covering Michigan, but I felt like Michigan kind of dominated the uh, the news that out of uh, out of Big Ten Media Days. Because I mean, there were some other storylines. Yeah. I think the other biggest one being uh, Ryan Day was asked multiple times, obviously, about the quarterback battle. Doesn't seem like there's anything that's uh, that's solidified obviously looks like we might have a change one of the news items that wasn't mentioned that we probably should mention the Quinn Ewers looking to maybe reclassify and come to Ohio State right away that that could really throw a wrench into the CJ Stroud the Miller and uh, Kyle McCord uh battle if you you throw another five star into the mix but uh I mean they it's clearly that that's a that's a big thing that you have no idea what's going on there but uh Overall, it's just a really tame Big Ten media days in the sense of, we in all this talk of name image likeness, I, I I can't really say that there were a lot of stars, right? And I was looking back at some pictures from like 2016 Big Ten media days that just were popping up on my iPhones, uh, you know, remember when feature and seeing like JT, JT Barrett and it's like, that's right. Like we used to have like big stars in this league, but right now there's just not a lot.
1: Well, there's going to be big stars, and it's just who's going to be the ones to step up out on the field. There aren't any of those established yet, but you Mm -hmm. know that the Big Ten is going to produce them at some point, so it'll be fun to watch that. It'll be fun to watch that going forward, at least. I guess the final question here, just to wrap up things with Michigan, with Isaiah Hole, again, our Locked On Wolverines host, is just – Whether or not Michigan changed everything this offseason, it did not change really the opinion on the Wolverines. Media did not think highly of them in the polls right now. In a weekend that's really kind of all about selling, what do you think it is right now as far as just this season that Coach Harbaugh is selling as to what Michigan fans can expect? And are you buying? Because right now, the country, Michigan fans, I don't think they are buying Jim Harbaugh right now.
0: I am buying, uh, but it's not necessarily because of what was said at Big Ten Media Days. It was more a lot of off-the-record conversations that I had either there or afterwards, uh, and and that's just because what I think is really bizarre, and this is one of the things I say constantly on Locked on Wolverines podcast, uh, what's really bizarre to me is that Penn State – it's like Penn State had about as bad of a season last year as Michigan, and yet we look at Penn State and say – Clearly it's gonna be a lot better. But people look at Michigan and it's like, well, this is the beginning of the end. You know, James Franklin has a slightly worse overall win percentage than Jim Harbaugh in their their respective tenures. James Franklin's is a year longer and he has a couple extra games from this past year because Penn State was able to play the whole season, but I think it's really bizarre how that how that works sometimes. Uh, Wisconsin's kind of in the same boat. And here's the thing. I do think Penn State and Wisconsin are going to be a lot better than what we saw last year. I, th- I think you throw a lot of what happened last year out the window. But I, I think it's really interesting. Um, I think that a lot of the changes that Michigan – the reason why I'm a little bit more uh, buying into what Michigan's doing is I think that with a lot of the roster turnover that we saw – Uh, especially particularly in the linebacker position. Like I I've been really skeptical about how Michigan's defense would fare under Mike McDonald, because I, I didn't know if they had, you know, I think the linebacker, usually you can tell how good or bad a defense is going to be based off the quality of linebackers. But I feel a lot better about it, especially kind of knowing that with the change to more of a three, four uh, front that having those defensive ends kind of drop back and be outside linebackers, and looking up front who they have right now, that are going to be those three guys. Uh, uh, even the back end, I, I know a lot of people don't have confidence in Michigan's secondary, but I mean, the, the the safeties might be, that might be the best safety duo in the conference with Brad Hawkins and Daxton Hill. And uh, Jamon Green is locked up one corner spot, and it's a battle between Vincent Gray and DJ Turner for the other. Top to bottom, this is still a really talented group. Like people say keep on saying, well, Penn State's really talented. Wisconsin's really talented. I mean, it goes without saying Ohio State's really talented. Michigan's out recruited every school not named Ohio State, with with the exception of one year that Penn State was ahead of Michigan, and I believe it was 2019. Michigan's still full of, you know, high-end three stars, mostly four stars, and you know, a handful of five stars. It's still more talented than a team not named Ohio State. And I look at some, a lot of those players, a lot of those players that maybe weren't that great last year, that were those four stars that were out on the field. They, at least now they were, they didn't have experience going into last year. Last year was bad experience. Yes. But now they actually have quality experience. And from everything I've heard, a lot of these guys are ready to go and they're looking good. So uh, be buying Michigan. That doesn't mean that I think that they're going to win the conference or anything like that, but I think, I went from being eight and four with the likelihood of the almost equal likelihood of going seven and five. I'm starting to feel of pushing that the other way. I'm still saying eight and four, but it could go nine and three. Um, but obviously there's still a lot of work to do. And I think if they, if they are able to beat Washington in week two, that will go a long way. If they lose to Washington, a lot of those cultural issues could essentially come back.
1: Well, Michigan every year, one of those teams that people just have an eye on this season, especially when you start saying things like beat Ohio State or die trying. And if we ever have any questions on the Wolverines, you know who we go to. From what you just heard here today, Isaiah Hole. You're with Locked On Wolverines and our expert on everything Michigan and all sorts of other stuff, too. Isaiah, thanks for coming on here today. You can follow him at Isaiah Hole on Twitter. And, of course, the Locked On Wolverines podcast every single weekday. Isaiah, before we let you go, thanks for coming on. And what else do you have to tell the people about?
0: Uh, just uh, stay tuned to, to Locked On Wolverines. We we uh, missed yesterday. We're going with, with a twofer today with our mailbag and uh, and uh, another episode. And then we're going to have a special guest tomorrow, big guy from The Athletic that everyone knows. So that'll be exciting.
1: Cliffhanger on the end. You're going to have to head over to Locked On Wolverines and give them a follow. Subscribe, whatever you do on however you listen to your podcasts. Do the same here at Locked On Big Ten. Our Twitter account is at Locked on Big 10 not T-E-N. My personal Twitter is at Nate with Sports. We're back tomorrow with more on everything you need to know in the Big Ten every single day. Until then, alongside Isaiah Hole, our Thursday co-host, I'm Nate Dickinson. Hey, Nate Dickinson here with Locked On Big Ten. BetOnline.ag is the place to go for any of your online sportsbook needs. The baseball season is back underway. The NBA Finals are wrapping up. And of course, I know you're already looking at some of those football futures for the fall as well. Whatever your need may be, as far as sports betting goes, betonline.ag can help you make your money. Head on over to betonline.ag right now for all the best lines, all the news you need to make sure you're up to date before you put those bets in, and we'll get you some free money to start out with too. If you go to betonline.ag right now and use our promo code Locked On you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. That's 50% on top of whatever you put into your account that first time you put money in. Just add it on for free. Thanks to the people over at BetOnline. It's BetOnline.ag, your online sportsbook experts.